Hey everybody, this is Father John Ricardo with Acts 29, and in the middle of all the craziness and the uncertainty that's going on right now, it seems from our perspective as a team that it's worth using these days to reflect in a more deliberate way on the scriptures every day, which for many of us now is the only spiritual food that we're receiving. And so we're going to do a special podcast series simply entitled, Be Not Afraid, God's Word in Uncertain Times. And we'll try to post something every day, usually reflecting on the scriptures so that we can listen in on what God is trying to say to us in these days. On this final Saturday before we enter into Holy Week, the Great Week, the week that commemorates the single most significant week in the history of the universe, when God, out of his love for us, who had become man, went to battle on our behalf as he heads to the cross so as to defeat definitively our ancient foe, the devil, and to destroy the power of death and to free us from the power of sin and to thereby give you and me hope as we wander this pilgrimage that we call life. Three thoughts come to mind as I'm praying with the scriptures today. It's actually not even with the scriptures today, although I do encourage people to take some time today to pray with uh, what is in place of the psalm at Mass today, which is a short excerpt from Jeremiah 31. I found myself just lingering over that entire chapter, which is a chapter of extraordinary hope for the people of Israel who found themselves in exile, much like we do today in the church and in the world might just encourage you to prayerfully linger over that whole chapter. It's long, but boy, is it rich. But I've been thinking about something the last couple of days, and I thought I'd share it with everybody. I'll try to contextualize this in in three things. First, First communions. Second, a line in scripture that I had never heard before until the very first first communion that I celebrated. And third, something for us maybe to pray and think about as we enter into this most unusual of Holy Weeks, the likes of which I pray, like you, we will never see again. So first, First Communions. This is the time of year when many of us as parents are typically beginning to look forward to our young sons and daughters in second grade having the opportunity for the very first time to feast on the body and the blood of Jesus hidden under the appearance of bread in the Eucharist. And it's a time for us as priests to look forward to celebrating with you, at least normally. Hopefully we will be able to do that soon. But I remember the very first First Communion that I celebrated when I was ordained a priest. It was uh, probably the spring of 1997. I'd been ordained almost a year. And I remember preparing for that Mass and thinking, gosh, I, I thought about a lot of things when I was in the seminary that I was looking forward to, but f- celebrating First Communions wasn't one of them. But then I found myself in the middle of that Mass just being totally overwhelmed. And particularly as the children came forward to receive, I remember crying, looking at these children's faces, either as they put their hands out or they extended their tongues to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, because the look on their face was one of its sheer exhilaration and excitement and anticipation. It was like they actually were expecting to get something which is, unfortunately, if you are a priest or a deacon or an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, not always the facial expression of those who come forward to receive the Lord in Communion. Anyway, at that Mass, oftentimes the first reading is read from the book of Deuteronomy, and it's from the uh, chapter 8, and there's a line there 
that that first First Communion just jumped out at me. And now almost 25 years later, I can't get it out of my head. And the Lord has been bringing it continually to mind again in this time when so many of us can't access the Eucharist. The lines in verse 3, where Moses is talking to the Israelites, they are on the other side of the Jordan River. They are not yet in the promised land, and he is preparing them to enter into the promised land, and he's giving them the final instructions, which is the summary of all his teachings uh, in the book of Deuteronomy. And he says this, he says, the Lord humbled you and made you go hungry before he fed you with the manna in the wilderness. Wow. So the, the Lord through Moses is reminding the people of Israel that after they had left Egypt, passed through the Red Sea, and were wandering in the desert those 40 years, before he fed them with this miraculous bread, the bread of angels, the bread of heaven, manna, which is a remarkable foreshadowing of the Eucharist that we receive as Catholics, before he fed them with that, first he made them go hungry. See, that's how God often works in our lives. I don't know about you, but I have this incredible desire to immediately satiate every desire that I have, right? I mean, thank the Lord for Amazon and especially for Amazon Prime. I order something and it's at my door in like six hours. But God doesn't work like that. God usually first creates a hunger, awakens us to a deep desire, and then only later, sometimes much, much, much later, satisfies it. In fact, St. Augustine said that the whole of the Christian life, really, at least on this earth, until the Lord comes back or uh, he brings us home, whichever one comes first, the whole of the Christian life is one of growing in desire. And that's hard for, at least for me, and certainly for many people that I know. We want all of our desires satisfied immediately. And life's not like that. And God's not like that. And I think that's really important for us to keep in mind as we enter into this Holy Week and as we continue to go in these days and these weeks when most of us have no access to the Eucharist. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God is causing this or that uh, this is his doing, but God is certainly allowing everything that's happening. And in this, there is, I think anyway, a great grace and maybe especially a particular grace for us this week. So let me just suggest something, something for us to pray and to think about as we enter into Holy Week, mindful that almost all of you will not be able to receive Jesus and how much that will hurt. Maybe what we can do is we can approach this Holy Week in a spirit of repentance, particularly with regards to the times that we have either received Jesus unworthily, which, goodness gracious, in my case, I know I have done so many times in my life, even as a priest, or when we have received Jesus without any thought whatsoever. And maybe you're the, the one flawless person out there who's always received Jesus worthily and has always come forward with tremendous devotion and this doesn't apply to you somehow. And if that's the case, which quite honestly, I doubt it is, but if it is, 
that maybe you can enter into this week and you can pray for those in a special way who have. You can do reparation for those in the church who have approached the Lord unworthily or without any thought whatsoever. And again, if you've ever served as an extraordinary ministry minister of Holy Communion, you know this is often the case, unfortunately, at least without much thought, because you can just see it on people's faces as they receive the Lord and sometimes just head immediately for the door. I'm not condemning anybody right now. That's not at all what I'm doing. I've done this so many times in my life. But this week, when we don't have access to it, mindful of this passage in Deuteronomy, mindful of the fact that I think for many of us, I pray for many of us, God is creating, intensifying a deep, deep hunger for Him in the Eucharist, that this won't be wasted. And then, please God, when the social distancing is over and we can return to church, maybe we, not just the first time, but every time, remembering these days, will approach Jesus in the Eucharist just like those little children on their first communion. And our faces will be radiant with joy. And we'll come forward with great expectation and great eagerness, mindful of the fact that we're really receiving not just something, but someone. The God who saves, who fights for us, who goes to war for us, hidden under the appearance of bread and wine. That's the God who's with us this week as we enter into these great days. Because he's with us. We don't have to be afraid. We were born for this.